for a long, long because time. Because you write. In <laughs> Lord, thank you for your word. Thanks for just the, the joy that you bring us and just the creativity and the love that you have for us. Uh, continue to help us grow in you, and, and we recognize what a great privilege it is that you have called us into this great uh, life in you. And Lord, just think about the fact that we would not know one another if it weren't for you. So thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I think about that. I would not know some of you wonderful people if it were not for the Jesus, Lord. Jesus, I know, but I'm like, if, if I got a glimpse into it, I'd seek each of you out. <laughs> so I'm like... Yeah, no, yeah. But these people have got to be in my life. Jesus is the reason that we're together. <laughs> so let's pick up. We're going to finish up uh, Matthew 12. Let's pick up. Um, we're talking about this being filled by the Spirit. So Colossians 2. It's so easy with the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easier with the index. Yeah. <laughs> Colossians 2. We'll begin at verse 9. And where we read, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, talking about Christ, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And so we need to realize again, this filling is we have been filled in him. Now, this doesn't mean that we can do anything. This again, this is the contrast that Jesus is giving to uh, the Pharisees where he's saying, you guys are empty. Um, and and you're, that's where the demon comes back, right? And they're worse off than they were before. Uh, so again, unless one is filled with the Holy Spirit, again, which occur, occurs the moment one believes in Jesus and receives the forgiveness of sins, all their efforts to be righteous will be in vain and they will actually be worse off. And if you've been around people, and I think we mentioned this last week, been around people who try and try and try and try to do religion on their own, um, these are some of the most miserable people I have ever met in my life. And they make everyone around them miserable. Um, and maybe you know some people like that uh, who are trying in their own work and they're just, you know, they're just bogged down with the fact that they can't. Uh, and, and some of us were there and have seasons where we're there where we're just trying to do everything right and we realize we are the most miserable of all people. So religions that teach the works of a person to achieve spiritual success cause people again to be worse off. It'd be better if they were nothing. So back to Matthew. So that's kind of where we left off last week. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. And then we'll go into 13. While he was still speaking to the people, Behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told them, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so what we're seeing is that not, Jesus is not necessarily disowning his family here. But he is. No, he's not. No, he's not. But doesn't he say that in order to follow him, you have to forsake everything? Right. He doesn't say disown everything. He says, you have to love me above everybody else to follow him. Okay. So like, look at, look at, um, look at the LDS religion, even in the church, you have people who exalt family above God. Oh, we have a brunch today, so we're not going to church because, 
uh, we have this brunch. And yeah, or, I mean, that's probably a bad example because that will happen from time to time. Um, but if you're like, if someone were to say, uh, you know, it's more important to follow your kids or your brothers or your mom than follow God, you'd say, mm, no, I want to have my family, um, but God is most important. Uh, so again, I think it's one of those things where um, you, because even at the end, because he didn't, obviously we see him at the end caring for his mother from the cross. We see his brother James um, become a believer and becomes the first pastor, we believe, of Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. So we see that, that he, didn't, he didn't disown them. He just said, I'm including more than just them as my family. Um, it's not just them. Because he didn't tell them not to come in. They said, here they are. He goes, who are they? He goes, anyone who is with me is part of my family, Steve, which we see in the New Testament. To Connie's point over there of saying, uh, he's telling them to disown them. You know, you'd have to also go on that line, I think, you know, there, when it says if your hand or your eye causes you to just cut it off. And he's not saying pluck out your eye, but he's saying it's better, you know, that you'd be better yeah. off going into the kingdom with, with one arm or one eye. It, you know, so basically he's saying this is how important it is. Yeah. I'm really significant. I'm real. I, you, you need to prioritize right. me. I'm, I am the pinnacle. I'm the top. Right. And we don't, we don't tend to do that in America. That and, was a good right. comparison. And, and it's not, really right. And it's not because he's a glory... Is good, that she has a good and out good, comparison. good comparison. And, and it's not because yeah. he's a glory hog, it's because it's for our good. To put God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means I love him above everything else. And, and like I would, like I love my wife, but if she's like, hey, sorry, but I don't want you to worship God, I'd be like, sorry, that's not your choice. I'm worshiping God. Um, and you know, and so it, it's, again, it's not something that, and that's where Jesus says, I, I came. And not to bring peace, really, even though that we know he does give us peace, but he realized that he would divide families, mm-hmm. um, and he has. And and we see uh, people divide in families. Uh, like I've known families of people who um, are just an atheist family, and then one person gets saved, and the family just hates that person, and and the, and, the, and that person goes through criticism and and persecution from their own family, but. They're like, no, I, I love Jesus and this is what's important and my heart breaks for you. And some of that persecution from family comes from, from like we talked about the scoffer, the witness of the scoffer, is they're convicted by that person's life. You know, and you know, you hear, well, what, you're just better than all of us now and all that good stuff. Um, and it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barb's like, uh-huh. And it's not that. It's like, no, but, but you know, I'm not better then. I mean, I think I'm... I, 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 it's tough to say. I, I believe I'm better off then, right? I mean, I have a hope. What I like uh, to do is really dump on them and say, I need a savior worse than you do. You need a savior, but I need, <laughs> I, need I know my heart is bad. You know, it, it's uh, to, to be uh, have a savior to come over right. and, and, and actually minister to your heart and spirit. Uh, I know where I'm at, and I'm in deep, deep, deep trouble. Yeah. I need someone. I need some serious cleansing. Right, and so Jesus here is is saying, "Hey, there's a bigger family than just this family that's there." Um, and so anyone who is who does who believes in me is part of my family. Um, and you're you're and and so he really uses family characteristics: brother, sister, mother, as as that connection. Um, now we can say we can make a. a, a a silly analogy, but I think it works well. When we have been uh, made new in Christ, 
the blood that we bleed now is the blood of Jesus. And so we're connected as blood relatives spiritually through the blood of Jesus. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a simple way to look at it, but it, it helps us go, okay, what does it mean by brother or sister? Well, we're all connected as new creations. And so let's look. Was, go ahead. I was just going to say um, early on in my, so, you know, I was baptized as a baby. All right. My parents. Well, that's good enough, too. Um, my parents had, had pretty much, you know, let the world creep in and, and served the world for a long, long time. Um, and so when I met Kirk um, and we started dating, he invited me to come to Sunday church and they were doing a Bible study and it was called uh, 40 Days of Prayer and something. Anyway, and it started out with, you know, um, talking about how, you know, sin is crouching at your door. And if you if you feed that sin, it's, you know, it's going to devour you. And um, and it really did talk about how the environment that you keep is, you know, and I was really pulled back and forth because I like my hair, my parents were, and I was, you know, living in their home still. And I'm very close to my family. I mean, we, we like were each other's glue for many, many years because of how much we moved around. Um, that's what we had, we had our family. And so when when I just became infatuated with this man, um, I was like, well, you Rightly know, so. I, I, and I was taught, I mean, I was taught that Jesus is God and that Jesus is real and that I needed him for salvation. I mean, I was taught that as a child. So when I started dating him, I was like, for sure, my parents are just going to love this, you know, but it did. It, it, it made an impact on them. It, it revealed where they were at mm-hmm. and, and it was hard for a while. Um, you know, when I said I wanted to go to church with him, they were, they really struggled with that for, uh, you know, a good while. Um, well, and then when you wanted to be baptized, that, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> I really had to, I really had to go through this. Okay. What do I do? Because I know, I mean, the Lord had made it really clear to me. I, we sat on the school campus and Kirk had said, you know, I, I really like you. Uh, but you need to know that there's somebody that, you know, loves you even more than I think I love you. And, and, you know, and so I was, I recommitted my life to the Lord. And, and from that point I did, I just had this, this fight within me as to how do I honor my parents who are just, who've been my world, but now this is my world, you know, and, and Jesus more than anything is my world. And, and I really struggled with that, but we had some friends and one day I had just been crying about it. And this, this, these kids that were in choir with us, they were awesome kids. They loved their families. Um, they just, they told me, you know, it's, it's your, yes, you honor your parents, you honor your family. It's not that you just, okay, you're it because now I've got this, you know, it's you honor your family. But if that honoring of your family takes, oh, takes the place of your relationship first with the Lord and this person who is encouraging you in that relationship, then, then you do have to put some boundaries there. Not, 
not get rid of them, but, and that, that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. That was very helpful to me, Matt and his brother. Oh, and the Hoopers. And, yeah. Matt and Mark. Yeah. Matt and Mark. And, and these boys Matthew loved. Matthew and Mark. Matthew and Mark. These, <laughs> these boys these were. Boys. <laughs> These boys made everyone look at them. They were studs. Well, but these boys But they loved. were Christians. <laughs> they loved Jesus. They, they, loved they were, Jesus. They were they very were, they were very vocal. But let's about just talk faith about how Jesus, they, they, were, were they were very they, attractive men. Well, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's still agree with you on that part. But they but they were taking my eyes from you. No, because we were friends. But they but what I appreciated about them was that they were very much like they loved their family. Yeah, their pa- their dad was a pastor and whatnot. Yeah, they were very good. Anyway, but they were very so, very good to tell me. You know, don't you know what's most important right. is your relationship with Jesus. You but you honor your family, you honor your parents, and you are going to be honoring your parents if you don't let them take the place of this relationship with Jesus. Yeah, and I think that you know, come full circle, you know, look what God did. So yeah. Um, oh yeah, He's brought yeah. it so, all around. <laughs> Yes. Pulled so, it all together. Yeah. So, First yeah. John chapter three. This is a, a, a scripture I go to often, and I would encourage all of you to get extremely familiar with the verbiage in here. Um, I, I, this is one of the verses that um, God always brings to my attention. This in Second Corinthians chapter five about being a new creation. Old has passed away; the new has come. Verse. Uh, one of chapter three of first John, see what kind of love the father has given or better translation lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And so we are the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when we he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So there's a spiritual family that God adopts us into through Christ. And, and that's really what Jesus is saying. There's a greater family than your natural family, right? Now, natural, I mean, I'm blessed that my immediate family, my kids, my in-laws and my parents i'm blessed that they're all part of my my natural family but i'm more blessed that they're also part of my spiritual family but i have family members that are distant natural they're not they're not spiritual family members um, because they've rejected um and 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 i think we've talked about this before in the past but there's just a difference of relationship when you hang around those who are both natural and spiritual in family. There's a greater connection. Um, there's more to talk about. There's more joy uh, that you see that happens. Um, and, and yet when those who aren't believers, like, like Laura has some family members that I love her, her aunt and her uncle and her cousins. They're great. But there's not that same connection um, you would say koinonia, which is the fellowship of, of believers that God gives us, that you just don't have that with them. And that's why I think we find that sometimes, like, um, you know, if I had a choice to go hang out with my church family or with my family members who don't know Jesus, I'm like, ah, I'd rather hang out with my church family. <laughs> you know, if I had really had a choice, sometimes you have to hang out with your church, with your non-church family, which is fine. You need to do that at times too, otherwise they won't hear about Jesus. Talking about that very thing over there, when you're reading uh, chapter 46, I have that, that, that paragraph over there, 
Uh, I'm assuming the reason that his brother's a mom over there is because they think he's cuckoo birds and they're coming to take him away at home. And, and, yeah. And I'm, I'm, we serve a wonderful Lord. I need to put up with that. I was, you know, when Jesus comes back, who's my brother, mother, and, uh, and sister? I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I think that that is a really, uh, wonderful way of expressing you know i'm not gonna yeah well they heard they they heard the rumors i mean his mom knew that they were wanting to kill him and so even though she knew he was coming to save the world um obviously i don't think she would have said he's going to go die on a cross and i'm going to watch him die on a cross um his brothers were told in other parts of scripture um did not believe him and just thought he was crazy, and they were for, and they felt shamed as a family member of of the attention he was getting, and so they wanted to get him out of the limelight for to save their own reputation. Uh, and so um, we know that from other scripture that at this point in time, um, the brothers weren't following, and so Jesus is like, hey, that you know, if they're not believing in me, they're not really my true family. Those who believe in me are my true family. I mean, and so, I mean, and that's, and that's the, the, you know, it's hard for us to understand, but, but the blood of Jesus is thicker than man's blood and are the blood of bulls and goats. So we would go back to that. Um, it's what binds us together as we partake of, of the body and the blood today. It's like that binds us together in a way that doesn't bind us with our natural family. Again, like Ilara's point was, we got to love our natural family. Right, that's we're called to do that. And some people can look at Jesus being rude to his family here. Right, they can be like, oh, you know, you're just discounting them. And I and we don't see. Obviously, we don't see that when we go further into history and further uh, the story. We see Mary right there. His brothers and his sisters weren't anywhere near. And so Jesus is like, okay, John, you're taking care of my mom because I don't know what's well. He didn't know, but he goes because right now they're not. But then we see after the resurrection. James, the half-brother of Jesus, becomes a, 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 a pillar of the, the church at the beginning. And a pretty hardcore pillar if you want to read James later on. <laughs> and natural family is not always... I what? mean, look at Cain and Abel. <laughs> so you look at it this way, you get to, you get to choose your spiritual family. No, <laughs> I don't want to be with those people. No. So, yeah, Romans 8, Romans 8, 16 through 21. Oh, we'll go back to, we'll go back to 14. Why not? Verse 14 of Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, uh, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided <laughs> we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We'll stop there. Um, you know, but again, part of that suffering too is saying, God, I'm going to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength with the help of the Spirit. And that sometimes means that I choose him over my family. And I suffer that. Right, I suffer like Lara was wrestling with that. You know, when we were dating and wrestling with that, that was that was legitimate suffering because I don't want to dishonor my parents, but I know that Jesus is what's really important. Um, and so, it, you know, and we all have moments where we have to wrestle with that a little bit. Um, what's most important is Jesus, not my earthly relationships. 
So it, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because then God gives us those earth relationships that are beautiful and helpful and good. But we don't get those if we're exalting those relationships and not God. So there's just a, a tension here that we find. Steve? I was going to say the one thing I noticed over there is the beauty and the cement, uh, cemetery of of Christ coming, his mom and dad and our brothers and sisters didn't recognize him. The Jewish people refused to do it. Uh, it's interesting when you go to the book of Acts, the demons did. The demons, the demonic, says, I know who you are. You know, so, you know uh, they're, they're calling out. They're naming, you know, we wonder about the validity. Well, who is this? That doesn't mean demons? demons are brothers and sisters. No. no okay, no, just make, I was clarifying. Just because they knew didn't mean they believed. Well, yeah. no, they, I'm not saying they believe, but I'm just saying that. Uh, they, that the world seems to be hidden from the knowledge of, of, of his mother and brother and sisters aren't recognizing his deity, but yet in the, demo, in the yeah. spiritual realm, it's not a problem. It's recognized. Yeah, and I would always hesitate to throw um, Mary in not recognizing him. I think that Mary, his mom, um, was a mom and, and didn't want her son to be harmed. Um, I think the brothers were jealous because that's a natural thing. And they were like, he's crazy. Let's get him out of the limelight. He's making us look bad. I think Mary was like, this is my, this is my firstborn. This is my child. Um, which again, we see her at the cross where the brothers and sisters were nowhere to be found. Um, Whatever and, happened to Joseph? We believe he died early on uh, because he was, most people believed he was probably uh, anywhere from 30 to 40. When he took Mary as as his bride, which was common in that time, he was that much older. Yeah, he would have been almost twice her age, more than likely, Um, and that was common. And then usually, men from in that time period didn't live much past fifty. So um, he did his part, got Mary to Bethlehem, and helped raise Jesus. So we know that that he was at least in close to fifty because uh, when Jesus was twelve is when he was left when he stayed behind. And Joseph was with him, but that's really the last mention we see of Joseph. Um, and so most historians and scholars just believe that he passed away and nobody, because again, um, not to belittle Joseph, but he, he didn't have a, he didn't have a whole lot to play in the rest in the rest of the story. So. All the power tools and all the power equipment they have, you know, is the son of the carpenter? I mean, being a carpenter back there, I would imagine that uh, hand tools and whatnot, you probably worked pretty hard. Life yeah, not, yeah, and, and and I guess life expectancy was not great, no. um, and that's why everyone thought that Jesus was going to come back before the before Apostle John died, because Jesus said on the Mount of Transfiguration, and and you know, well that they that well he said some of you will not die until you see me glorified, and that was the reference to the Mount of Transfiguration, but a lot of them took it as. As well, we want we, he's gonna come back before all these apostles die. And John lived actually way longer than most of them, about almost 92 years old. So, um, so again, the will of the Father in heaven, as Jesus explains here, is that we would believe in Jesus. Um, that's really what 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 the what boils down to. Therefore, again, all who believe in Jesus are considered the children of God and now part of God's family. I we used to sing in church camp. Um, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm a part of the family, the family of God. I can hear my grandfather leading it, right? And sometimes he would just throw it at the end of a hymn or throw it at the end of a song, and we'd all erupt in this song that we all knew. Um, So, uh, but God's family trumps earthly relationships, and that's tough for us. 
because we have, like we looked at this morning, the sorrow for our non-believing family. And it's like, how can I, how can I forsake them for Christ? Because we think, and again, not a bad thing, but we think we have to be the ones that lead them to Christ. And I have to be honest with you, it is rarely the family member that leads a family member to Christ. It is typically the family member who prays and then somebody else. I mean, we, we prayed for Lara's parents, and, it, and we, in fact, it was really cool. A uh, couple weeks, well, last weekend, last, yeah. we met up with the, the couple who were co-workers. Well, the, the man was a co-worker with Lara's dad who invited his dad to the spiritual retreat where her dad received Christ. And then two weeks later, her mom went on the same re- retreat, and she received Christ. And I had an opportunity after 30, yeah. oh, 25 yeah. years. Yeah. Just to pull them aside and thank them, uh, you know, I said, I just want to thank you, you know, for, for taking that step. And Dale was like, you know, I invited your dad, your father-in-law, two years in a row, and I persisted, and I persisted, and finally he just gave up and went. And he goes, at the retreat, the first day he was telling me, he goes, I need to go. He goes, I, I can't stay he was, here. Yeah, he and, and so Dale was like, well, just, just, wait, just wait till after this. Just, and then finally, you know. Um, and so it's just great to see that, you know, it, you know, we prayed for him half-heartedly. And most of it was because we were just tired of the tension. And we just want to get along with him. Um, and, and God used someone we didn't even know yeah. to, to bring them to that point. So it's important to pray. Because it's like, it's like with kids, right? Maybe none of you have experienced this. But you can tell a kid something over and over again. And then they come home from Sunday school or from school. Hey, so-and-so said this, which is the same thing you've been telling them all the time. And it's like, come on. Oh, really? What a, they're, they're so smart, you know? Yeah, I wonder where I've heard that before. So anyway, um, but we have a connection to one another, again, that's based on the life-giving blood of Jesus. Eternal life blood, again, is thicker than earthly blood relations. And so we celebrate our families on earth do that. However, we eternally celebrate our eternal families. And so uh, we just want to balance that, that Jesus has called us, you know, everything here on earth, right? We see this in the Old Testament, foreshadow of things to come to Jesus. And then there's earthly examples of things to come in the future. And we get glimpses of it, like at, at you know, we gather together at the communion table, at the baptismal font. Um, when we celebrate things together, we get a foretaste of how great it's going to be in heaven, but it's still not quite there yet. Relationships, like we love relationships when they're good, right? Here on earth. But just think about re- any relationship you've been in, um, there's never been perfect harmony. Just think that when you get to heaven, everybody's going to be in perfect harmony with one another. Never. You're not waiting for that next, oh, when's the next, you know, you know miscommunication going to happen. Uh, so. And harmonies are so beautiful. They can be great as long as they're in balance. Okay. So Matthew chapter 13. Let's, we're going to read a bit here. So we're going to read 1 through 23. So Jesus just said, who are my brothers and my sisters and my mothers, but those who believe um, and does the will of the Father, which is believing, by the way, that is the will of the Father that you believe. So don't make it about, I got I to gotta follow all the rules. It's what's the will of God that you believe in the Son whom he sent. So the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea which is a great place. I can't wait for you to see it. Okay, and you to see it. And, okay. Um, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. 
And he told them many things. By the way, these beaches are not like our beaches around here. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're okay. Uh, no sand. Uh, and, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear, he who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to one, the, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. And now it, you can also put often for parables riddles. Um, it, parables are a better a better term, but but really, what the disciples are asking: Why are you speaking in riddles? Why are you speaking in things? Just speak plainly to us. And but there's a reason for it because obviously we can look back and go, oh, here's the reason for it. And a lot of it is symbolism. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. The kingdom of heaven is like, and so he's trying to use something here on earth to show what it is like in heaven and how the kingdom works, and and that works with us who are in the kingdom now because we are children of God. This is why I speak to them in parables, verse 13, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now, before we go any further, they cannot understand, right? We only understand because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The disciples, they say a couple times, oh, now you're speaking plainly. I'm like, no, but you didn't get it at all because the Holy Spirit had not been given to them yet. Verse 14, indeed their case, their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart, uh, people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and churn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Why? Because they're following him. Um, again, this is an, again, an indictment against the Pharisees. They're just, they're grown dull. They don't want to know. But to you, verse 17, for truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for that which was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So again, on account of the word is the, is the important part there. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So there are many discussions and theories about the sower and who the sower is in this parable. Let me dispel all those theories right now. I would like to suggest that the sower is Jesus Christ. Um, uh, many, like I grew up saying it was my responsibility to be the sower and sow the seed. 
Now, at the same time, okay, yeah, I do sow the seed, but it's Christ in me and through me who's sowing the seed. So it's God doing the work. Um, And the Spirit uses us to spread the word of God to others. We should be careful then to not put pressure on ourselves to determine the state then of the soil. Because that's the other thing, right? We look at ourselves. Was your soil good? Is your soil rocky? Is your soil weedy? Is the person that you're casting the the word of God to, are they ready to hear it? Do they have good soil? And then sometimes you go, oh, well, they didn't have good soil, so they just... They just disregarded it. So then I don't feel bad about casting my, my seed, the seed of the word of God on someone who wasn't ready to receive it. But then I go, well, why did I even cast my seed upon that person? If they weren't ready to hear it, I should have inspected first to see if I should even throw the seed. Well, this isn't ours to deal with. We mess it up. The sower is Jesus Christ. He is casting the seed. Does he use you and I? Yes, absolutely. But he uses us, not us using us. So hold on, just hold on to your thought for a moment here. I might... I don't want to trump you too much, right? <laughs> right. Frozen in time. Yeah. But again, it's our job to merely allow, and I use the word allow cautiously, the Holy Spirit to spread the word of God in and through us as he sees fit. Uh, the reason I use it cautiously is, again, I don't want to put the pressure on us to say, well, am I allowing the Holy Spirit? But at the same time, like this morning, we had some questions. What, what am I, what do, am I not relinquishing? What am I, you know, these are great things, but again, it's, it's Holy Spirit, show me, and then give me the strength to follow you and to do what you say. Okay, Steve. Well, I'm just going to say that when Paul talks over there of, of uh, uh, sowing the seed over there, he says some water, some plants, some, you know, each, you know, uh, he came on through the seed, he came in water, but God gives the increase. Right. I was just going to say uh, that, that saying over there, uh, you, you don't want to touch the glory. You want you want to give God. Yeah, if I can if I can say, oh yeah, you know, I I did that, right? Like like Laura tells a story, and you know, yeah, we we've said this prayer on the court, uh, you know, the, the the courtyard at Sierra College. When you're like, yeah, I need I need Jesus in my life. I can't take credit for that because I was a horrible witness. You know, I just said, hey, you need to do this, and she was at a point because of the work of the Holy Spirit to go, yeah, I do need this, and not. And it wasn't really because of me. I mean, God used me, but it was, it was, it was he, she was ready because of the work the Holy Spirit had done in her life. So the other thing that we must note is, is that soil is made ready and available to receive the word of God, not by our doing, right? Uh, it's not by our doing. Uh, and so I think it's difficult for us to process because many teachings, and then if you haven't heard these, I'm, you're blessed, over the years have focused on man's ability to make ready the heart. And it's not. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I would like to suggest that all um, that the soil of our heart, all we do to the soil of the heart is add rocks, trample it down, and give way for weeds to flourish. That's what we do. Um, and so one of the things that, that I, I think of, and I'm probably going to mention it later, but I'll mention it now because we won't finish this this week, but is that, that one of the greatest parables that Jesus gives about the soil is, is the one with the tree who was bearing no fruit. And the master gardener says, give me another year. And then he adds a bunch of manure, right? And he puts a trough and he does the work. Soil cannot get soil ready, right? So if you, you know, I was mentioning this morning, um, the Ukrainian farmers are going out and have to get mines out of their field so they can, so they can plant seed and farm. 
Well, the field doesn't say, hey, you know, let me move this, this landmine. It just receives it. Um, the farmer, someone outside, and that's what it is with our hearts. Someone outside of us has to do the work. And we trust the Lord to do that work. And again, he's casting the seed through us. We don't know what everyone's heart is. Our job is just to cast the seed um, as the Holy Spirit works in and through us. And then we go, it's not me casting the seed. It's the work of the Lord in and through me. So 707 times the heart is mentioned in Scripture. Um, and then if you want to add soul, if you want to add um, the inner man, if you want to add spirit of the man, you, you, you go over way over a thousand. Um, but the, really the issue, again, as we've, we've seen from the beginning of Matthew, is all about the heart of a person. Uh, Jesus was telling the Pharisees, your heart, you try to clean it up and it's empty, but yet you didn't fill it with the Holy Spirit. You didn't allow and believe. And so guess what? This, you're worse off than before. It's all about the heart of a man. And that's why we struggle because many religions make it about the outside of a man. And Jesus could, uh, and we should too, Jesus could care less about the outside of a man. What he cares about is the heart. Now, again, when the heart is is a believer and it's been changed and it's been made new, it is going to impact the outside of a man. But as God sees fit, not as we see fit. Um, you know, it, like I was raised that you got to clean the fish before you catch it, basically. That was our evangelism. Just tell them how to do everything right and then they'll be acceptable to God. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not true. You know, if you just comb your hair right, you shine your shoes every Sunday morning and wear your tie, you're good. I mean, really, you can quote some scriptures that that's, I mean, again, that wasn't the intention of my parents, obviously, because both my brother and I are in ministry and we love the Bible. So they did some other things that, that you know, but that was in, in the essence of it, the religion that I was in and a lot of religions just make it about just look this way. And you'll be great. It's like the... The chick and the fig leaves. Yeah. It's the... It's the I mean, I... <laughs> it's connecting from this morning's about, um, you know, what is it that the law does? And here I was going, well, it shows us that we need to love God and love others. Well, no, the law shows us that we can't, no matter how hard we try. Which I appreciate right? everyone going, well, it and, shows you. And I'm like, but, oh. I, and I, but, I, but it does. It goes back to the garden. You know, yeah. what did God, God gave them the law when he, he gave told them, them he gave not them to one, eat. One law. <laughs> Just one law. Right. And, and. Then what did they do? Yeah. They covered them. They tried to. Cover they tried themselves, to cover themselves. Yeah. Right. And so anytime we're, we we yeah. we point out that piece of God's word of things that we're we're supposed to be about doing, that's us like trying to cover us up with no, the law. No, because it's a distraction, right? And so we we see that though in cultures, we all want to belong to something, and so like even you know high school is a horrible experiment but you know you go back to high school and you had these groups of people you had the chalks you had all the band people you had for us in our time we had the goths and then we had the cheerleaders and and everyone like to try to be individuals look like one another right i'm going to look like this um and and so again it's one of those things where but but the identity it didn't matter the heart was still not didn't belong to that group because the heart is God's territory. So we're going to... Go ahead. I like about Connie over there. Oh, great. Picking on you must, again. Not hard, hard in your heart over there. But I, you know, I see, keep on telling Joseph a teenager. But it says, unless you come as a little child, 
Right. You know, you know just to get what you know. Here you are, a, a Pharisee. You're 70 years old. You're in the Sanhedrin, and he's telling you, and if you don't come like a little yeah. child with a believing heart, you can't. You, well, you, you don't even qualify. Well, and even consider the fact that the Jews' family was everything. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we, we were kind of in an area where family is everything. And if, even if you go, just not even LDS, but Catholicism, that's the same thing. Identity, I mean, is all about family. And is that so wrong? If it gets in the way of Jesus, yes. There was a, I remember last year, uh, you did a sermon. And you said that it used to be this, it used to be this, but now it's God first. Right. And then everything else underneath that. Yeah. So you love the Lord your God. And then God what I here. think is, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, which we need help to do that, right? But it's God. And then we can serve our families better. We can serve them. Way, we can lo- I can love my wife. If I, am, if I am truly serving the Lord, I will love my wife correctly. And so she's, any moment of the day, go, you're not serving God very well today. No, but, you know, and so I think that it's one of those things where it's hard for us to understand. We don't have to necessarily say, um, you know, we just don't want to exalt family above God. It's as simple as that. I, I think what bothers me is that a part of the problem in the world now is that we have, we don't value family. Absolutely. True. And yeah, so it's hard. I agree. That's where I, I have a little but I think that, tension. That happens no, I agree. because, because of the pendulum. Because of the pendulum. Right. It's like, oh, we, we were so this. But now, because anything, anything that we focus on that is, that is 1% off, mm-hmm. 1% off of Jesus, it's going to eventually take us far mm-hmm. away from the, the bullet. You know, the, yeah. the bullseye. And you can't read the Old Testament and not see how important family is to God. Because mm-hmm. family is extremely important to God, but a family under the, the sovereignty of God is, is, is the plan of God. Because he's the one who right. created family. Right. And so, I mean, because, you know, Jew, Jews are very family-oriented. In fact, what's interesting about Jewish people, they can be spread and scattered throughout the whole world, but if they meet another person who's Jew, they're family. Yeah, you know, and that's again for us as Christians, we see that now fulfilled in Christ. For us, I meet another person that I've never met before, but they're a believer, and immediately I have a connection I see to them. That in the shop. Yeah, you're like, and I can't explain it. So again, I don't think we have to like say, forget you, family. No. I think, man, man, I get to enjoy my family in greater ways because of the fact that I see how valued they are by Christ, and because I know, uh, you know like, I mean, I well, my family. Again, I, I'm just blessed because most of the time when I get together with family, we're all believers. Um, now, it's not that we get along great all the time. You all are very unique. <laughs> Individuals. I, I thought getting the highest education would give me some prominence. At, no. But I, I, no. one more thing. I, I know this is a very, very simple analogy. But I remember when my kids were younger, um, when they were in Christian school, they had had a devotion where this gal had brought in this big, huge jar, and she had all these rocks. And one of them was this huge rock. Well, actually, she brought it in with all these rocks inside the jar already. And the jar was just full of all these rocks. And she st- as she's teaching, she's taking all these rocks out, all these rocks out, all these rocks out, all these rocks out. And so if there's all these rocks on the table. And then she ta- and she's talking about how God has to be first. 
he has to be first in our life, that he's the one who made us all that, you know. And But then she started saying, but it's so good to have this in our life, and it's so good to have this in our life. And she started putting all the rocks back in. But the biggest rock was that was in that jar was her representation of God. So he was the largest rock. And so she goes to put all these rocks back in, but leaves the biggest rock out and goes to try and put that biggest rock back in. There's no room because she'd started that's out a, that's a good with right, the it, biggest rock. But if you at put the, the biggest rock in first, then all of them fit in. Yeah. So anyway. So that was like for me the biggest yeah. picture of, oh, yeah, here we are, we're these containers. And we try to fill and cram all these things into our need for worshiping, you know, for that it's identity. Not all bad things. It's right. not all bad no, things no, no. either. So. A lot of it are good things, and that's what she talked about, were these great yeah. things. But because we'd left out God, the biggest, it, it we, didn't... We, we didn't leave any room. Yeah. It didn't fit. Yep. It didn't fit. There, there you go. There you go. I was going to say it's better when it's a visual, like you have a jar and a big rock. <laughs> So, but you tell tell your husband I expect to see him Sunday. Yeah. No, yeah. I, was, I was just gonna say if you want a little yeah. if you want a little advice with the power of the Holy Spirit over there, ask God to go over there and do it for you. Usually the Holy yeah. Spirit is is is, is yes. the so let's we have a few more minutes so let's consider a few more verses uh, verses on how dependent we are upon the Holy Spirit. Genesis six verse five. I know where that's at. <laughs> <laughs> You're going old school like analog. <laughs> Pastor? Yeah. I was wondering, uh, can I get a dispensation? Uh, Larry asked uh, for a ride. I wasn't sure if you could. Uh, you know, you are. Well, you're the pastor. You yeah, only but, have one pastor. but I'm not, I don't have you on a leash. You don't, well, God does. He says, uh, get authority. Steve, I want you to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, get out of here. <laughs> love you, my friend. We'll I love see you. <laughs> and thank you, girls. Yes. So Genesis 6, 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You, you know, if it weren't for a handful of people that we know, that are believers. Now, if I had my phone, I would be marking that. Right, right. We would, we would be like, man, this seems like today, you know, uh, that, that there's just evil. And, and I see evilness in just people helpless. I really see people helpless and harassed. They're just grasping for something. And, and this turmoil that we see in this, they're looking for something like, you know, what was the whoever saying it, but looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Who sang that? I always hear. Come on, boy. Yeah. Johnny Lee. I don't know. I just hear uh, buckwheat. Wilkin Pana Bana. So Exodus 7, verse 13. Exodus 7, verse 13. Okay. This is showing us again our need for. The Holy Spirit to work. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Numbers 1539. I think I went in order for everybody here. Are you ignoring us now over there? No, I'm gonna send Genesis 6 5 to 
<laughs> so all my all my Sharon. unbelieving friends no. know. Sharon, so she can. Oh, so she can highlight it. it. <laughs> yep. Numbers fifteen thirty nine. Where did we go? And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. <laughs> I mean, God doesn't mince words, right? You know, and, and that's why when, when you hear um, the people, just follow your heart. I mean, that's the big, that's, by the way, that's Disney's main, main uh, message. Just follow your heart. And you're like, mm, the heart's deceitfully wicked and beyond cure. Who can know it? Right? Yep. And so, and so I think that you sit there and you go, wow, um, I, need, I need God because if I followed my heart, now again, we follow the spirit within our heart now, but if we follow my, my heart, that only leads me to things away from God and that'll, that'll be back to all they do in their heart is evil continually, right? Uh, and, and again, we, I can't speak for all of you, but I wrestle with it from day to day. I mean, I want to be lazy and slothful and I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want to, I don't want to make the bed with my wife on Sunday afternoon. Right. But at the same time, I don't want my wife to, to last minute remember, oh, the sheets are in the dryer and we didn't make the bed and that. And so I, you know, let's, so it's like, okay, deny myself. I didn't get a nap this afternoon, probably because I drank coffee, but I didn't get a nap this afternoon. But instead I'm like, hey, because I knew you weren't feeling great. And I'm like, well, let's go do this. Right. And so, um, it, you know, and I guess, I guess you have to not feel good for me to help you. Is that what it is? Anyway, uh, one more verse tonight. De- Deuter- do set you free. Deuteronomy, you Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6 5? Sure, why not? Oh. <laughs> hey, you know. Deuteronomy 6 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and, all and with your all your might. And so when we look at these scriptures, and we'll look at more two weeks from now. Um, sorry, I'm not meeting with you all on Easter. Oh, uh, why not? I've been, I, because I've been told to go to Burley. I think that's more important. <laughs> and I have a big family dinner. So yeah, I'm really yeah you're going to serve your family. So see? <laughs> there you go. I've yeah. got a big family too. Eight yeah, yeah, see? So, so, but we see in just these few examples so far that the heart is something that we need help with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read this Deuteronomy 6 5, which again is what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. And I'm like, sure, I can't do that. I want to. I want to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I'm quickly faced with the fact that I, that is within my own strength, do not have the ability to do that. But praise the Lord that through the Spirit, I have moments where He does get all the attention. Um, well, and, you wouldn't even have want to if it weren't for Him, too. Oh, no, I'm selfish to the core. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Any of us that want to do those that... Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, well, mind, and soul. Yeah. That even. Well, itself. without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't even want to do that. Right. That's what And I saying. think that's even what he was, you know, calling saying. out to the Pharisees when they asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yours. And the second is like these. They were convicted. They didn't say, oh, we do that. Right? They were like, oh. Because Pharisees served themselves. Everything was about their appearance outwardly. Again, we fall into that very easily. How do I look outwardly? Um, and it's not about that. It's about the heart. So we'll end there tonight.
Lord, thank you for dealing with our hearts. <laughs> thank you for the fact that our hearts uh, need help and you are so good to help us. Lord, help us to love our families well. Help us to serve them in ways, Lord, that, that uh, draw their attention to you. We need your help to do that. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we see Monty here on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, no, it's